yeah, baby. Get them victory flags out. Wave it like a samurai sword. Do whatever you want with it. Put it out, baby. That's right. Lions coming off. Another, another dub that makes four straight, and not just any ordinary four straight. That's four straight, 14 points or more. We've beaten each team. So, Lions, boys are buzzing. Nick, what is going on, my guy? It's been a minute. We didn't do a show last week. It was just a little tough. Everyone was quite busy. The Lions just blew out the Panthers. I mean, we all kind of were thinking the same thing. We we're all going to say the same stuff. You know, this team proved it. They can beat the bad teams. And that's what we needed to do. Just kind of take out the garbage. And that's exactly what we did with the Panthers. And you get a little bit tougher opponent in the box and you handle them perfectly. So, Nick, real quick, give us a little recap of the Panthers. And then how you doing, my man? I appreciate it. Um, all right. So the Panthers game was outstanding, right? Ass whooping. That's what we all wanted to see. That's my recap. Uh, this weekend, had to go see a little Taylor Swift action. Shout out T Swift. Um, not as cool as who we reported Sam Laporta dating or Eminem being at our games. 15-time Grammy as opposed to 12. I'm just saying. But shout out T Swift. Put a, show, put a movie out for my daughter to see. And she loved it, so I have to appreciate that. Then I went on a 15-mile hike in Ann Arbor, um, re represent the shirt you're wearing, and that rained all Saturday during the first nine miles of the hike. So it was fun. It was brutal. It was chilly. It was with the boys, all six of us, um, backpacking, eating dehydrated meals, making a campfire in the rain, real Boy Scouty stuff. It was really fun. Um, came home Sunday just in time to catch the Detroit Lions game, and what a great game it was. So, yes, we missed all of our fans by not doing a show, but we are making up for it by doing a show today and hopefully one Sunday before the game. So you get a double-decker this week of us. Oh, yes. A little double-dip action. Nick, yeah. You, uh, right when you said, you're like, yeah, I went to hike in Ann Arbor on Saturday. I was like, the Michigan game was pretty rainy on Saturday. <laughs> it was very rainy. It was nonstop rain from <laughs> 8 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon, 5 in the evening. And that is exactly how long our hike was, from 10 in the morning so like well, like four in the afternoon and we got to our campsite with an hour left of the rain and we couldn't wait we were freezing we did not prepare correctly i did not have my frog togs on for all the hikers out there i didn't have a poncho i was underdressed freezing cold so we got the fire gripped immediately even with the rain um and it was still so much fun we stayed up all night next to the campfire um bullshitting with like a bunch like we used to when we were in college kind of situation so, love it yeah it's really cool so Lions oh, didn't oh, have... wait, I'm so sorry. And shout out my mother-in-law for shooting, getting me this sweet-ass shirt. Detroit Lions, custom-made Faber. We love it. I appreciate it. I said I would wear it on this podcast, and I will not let you down. Shout out, Deanna. I love you. Very, very cool. Um, indeed. So we had a little bit of news break just a, probably an hour before this uh, show. And it's Dave Montgomery update. It's a little bit worse than what we were expecting. His x-rays came back negative. But he's dealing with a bit of a cartilage issue, per Dan Campbell, that will keep him out a little bit. And by little bit, here's what I'm thinking. We play the Ravens, then we play the Raiders, then we go on by. I'm pretty confident he's going to miss these two weeks. Don't think Dan Campbell wants to put him on IR because... 
if he puts him on IR, that tells me, I mean, I should say we should hope he doesn't get put on IR. Because if he gets put on IR, that tells me Dan Campbell doesn't think he's going to be ready in four weeks. It needs at least five with that bye week. So it would be a lot worse than what it is or what he kind of said. So I think two with the bye week rest should be enough. But you never know. He did also say Jameer Gibbs is seeming a little bit healthier and seeming that he'll be practicing this week and hopefully will be good to go Sunday. And if that's the case, we are going to need him. Yes, Dave Montgomery is obviously a focal point of our offense, as we've come to realize. Um, but we can succeed without him. We've done it a couple times now. Um, it did open the door for someone else specifically to make a real big case for why he is our running back three right now. Um, there is light at the end of the tunnel for Gibbs to play this week. So there's a lot of factors where, like, back in the day, it's like if Calvin Johnson sat out a game, you'd be like, well, we can chalk this one up as a loss and we'll move on. But our team is so deep and so put, or how do I word this? Put together so roundly, like so perfectly that having Montgomery miss a couple weeks is, is tough. It is tough. Don't get me wrong. He is our bell cow, but we can survive it. Even against the Ravens, even against, if it was the Chargers, even if it is against the Raiders, it doesn't matter. I feel super confident with or without Montgomery, just a lot more confident with Montgomery. So this is brutal news. I'm glad we got it before we did our podcast. Normally they like to break this stuff after we do our podcast. So at least we get to talk about it, which is very fun. But as soon as he went down, I felt like our offense, our offense, now Bucks defense is really good, but our offense wasn't um, moving the at the pace that we're used to with Montgomery on the field. Um, Craig Reynolds did do a lot of good things but he just didn't run the ball as effectively as you would hope or as Montgomery would have guaranteed um, or even maybe Gibbs. So Montgomery, this is tough. It's really tough for my fantasy team. I drafted him in every single league. I know. Out. You're telling me, Nick, you're telling me. Got him in a few leagues as well. So tough sledding. But honestly, Craig Reynolds, he's out there in pretty much everyone's waiver wire. Could be a very, very sneaky ad because we see what they're doing with Jameer Gibbs. I, if, Montgomery's out. I don't expect him to get 25 touches. You know, I expect the same, maybe a little more uptick, but I don't expect him to be just, here you go, un unleash him unless we were, you know, down three quarters or half, half the game or, or just not playing good and we need something else. But I think if Craig Reynolds is playing just decent, then that should be enough. And it's interesting because we got some other Devane Zingbo. So you never know what that guy could be. It does stink. Bam Knight. Also, if you guys are wondering why we haven't mentioned him, he is out for the season. That shoulder injury he sustained, I think, two weeks ago, or I believe it was in the Panthers game. Um, towards the end, it knocked him out for the year. So that's a bummer because he was looking like a solid RB3. But Craig Reynolds, man, he he's going to have to step it up. He did in not so much the rushing way, but that's what I like about Craig because he's not always going to be giving you – the best out of the passing or the receiving the, you know, rushing the blocking, he's going to give you maybe two thirds of that. And that's all we need. As long as he can give us a good block, a good rush, that's it. Or a good reception and a good block. So ultimately I think Craig Reynolds can get the job done. Campbell did also say that he does feel better about Brian branch playing. I hope he gets back. We're facing Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. He's definitely going to need to be there to slow down Mark Andrews. The Ravens didn't look super efficient against the Titans, but 
I definitely think we'll we'll have our hands full. So um, other than that. Oh, I did just want to note, too, real quick, um, on Jameer Gibbs and if Montgomery is out. Last time Montgomery didn't play, um, Jameer Gibbs did have 17 carries for 80 yards um, with two targets as well. So as much as Craig Reynolds might be a good sneaky pickup for your fantasy team, especially in deeper leagues, I fully 100% agree with Adam. Um, if you have Jameer Gibbs and he's playing, you fire him up because I'm, I am expecting – 15 to 20 carries for Jameer Gibbs. I do think he takes over the David Montgomery role. And I think we learned with Craig Reynolds that he's not as good of a runner as we want him to. Hell of a blocker, can make good plays. Like you said, good pass catcher. Like he does everything. He's a great running back three. But I bet Jameer Gibbs takes the boatload of the carries um, as he did in week four against Atlanta when Montgomery was out. Wouldn't shock me either, too, because, you know, obviously the Atlanta game, it went well. So why not, you know, let Jameer Gibbs try to handle a solid workload and let Craig Reynolds get, you know, five, six carries, but that's all he needs. Um, so let's talk the Bucks game. The Lions, we came out storming. We had the first tipped interception. Will Harris looking good. Uh, Jerry Jacobs almost got another interception too, which would have been huge. Ultimately, I'm going to talk about the defensive line first. This defensive line, oh my goodness, you can't run them. Like, you simply can't, and I'm going to be very, very interested to see how Lamar Jackson, a probably the most mobile quarterback in the NFL by far, is how he'll fare against this unstoppable run defense because it's different with a quarterback. It's I feel like he has a little bit more of broken play slash ability to find the scene when it's not – directed a run play when it's you know a pass play broken down he just scrambles so it'll be interesting to see if the lions d-line can still keep that contained and if they do oh my goodness this team will just take another step and it does feel like these last couple weeks the panthers they were you know a bad team that we just need to beat the hell out of we did it the bucks were a solid team that we need to beat the hell out of and we did it so now we're playing a good team that we don't need to beat the hell out of them we just got to beat them so if we can just get the job done with our defensive line, Bugs was playing phenomenal. He he's just I don't even know how 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 this guy wasn't playing the first couple of weeks because just whatever spark has ignited has ignited him. Uh, Aquora has been playing phenomenal too ever since he's come back. Had a sack, and a nice tip pass, and then I guess it's not defensive line, but I can't help myself. Anzalone, man, I. Just props off to you, dude. The fact that this guy was playing so well these few weeks, first few weeks, granted maybe weeks one to two, he didn't realize the situation, but weeks two, three, four, and five, he was playing with his parents trapped in Israel, and he did not know if he would ever see his parents again. That's how scary of a situation it was. So I can't imagine the stress and pressure he just had every single night thinking about his family, talking to his other loved ones and what was going on. Parents are back home safe, so it's all good now. And what does he do? He performs with seven uh, solo tackles, two pass deflections, and a tackle for loss. So just still playing with a phenomenal motor, but just have to get credit to this defensive line and some of these linebackers. Yeah, the front seven has been unbelievable, and we've said, and it's so nice to see what we've said. Exactly, um, too. Nick, you asked real quick. You called this or, like, put this tweet out, like, week Maybe it was like week 13 or 14 or something. It was it was the Packers game or something. And then you just noted all the solid running backs that just 
busted. And granted, there were a few that, you know, weren't good running backs that still didn't play well. People were like, oh, no, they haven't played anyone. And sure enough, Bijan Robinson, <clears throat> Miles Sanders, <clears throat> Rashad, everyone. It's just everyone. Good, bad, anyone, you're, you're getting under, you know, 60 yards. <laughs> It always feels so good when you say something and you see it just like really come to fruition. Like you're like, I, I'm seeing this with my eyes. I'm telling you, our run defense is absurd right now. And then 17 weeks later, we're here at this moment where we have going into this game, we had allowed the least amount of rushing yards um, through five weeks um, since 1939 yes. in NFL. Like that's not just Detroit Lions, that's NFL. Like, absurd and then we go into this game and rashad white can run the football and uh, uh tampa bay everyone said tampa Bay's offensive Red, line. Solid they're, tackle. they're like, great great offensive line top five in the league nothing nothing rashad white had nothing Keyshawn vaughn had nothing and no maybe those aren't emmett smiths and marshall faults but it's who we play and who we play can't run the ball against us if you are a smart person, for the first six weeks, you would have taken the under on every single running back we have played, and you have cashed out six straight times. That is including Rashad White's 45 yards last week, or yesterday. 26. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So who we put Justice Hill? Who we got next week? Baltimore, right? So it's interesting. It's a, it's, Lamar here's how I look. The Ravens are on, I, I heard the stat the other day, and it was like 20 like two, or it was a, the longest streak in the NFL of 100 yards rushing per game. Counts Lamar, too, and that's why they've been hitting it. So I will be very curious to see if the Lions could snap this streak. And if they do, oh, baby. Because it wouldn't shock me if Lamar gets 50, Gus gets 20, and then Justice Hill gets 30. And that's how they, they get 100, 101 on the dot, you know. Okay. And even if that does happen, I'll, I'll take that as a little, you know, moral victory because you know – the Ravens, they care about their records. They say they don't, but John Harbaugh, he he, he has in the back of his mind. So he's just going to be like, well, let's just run the ball. We keep getting our 100 yards. That's how we've been winning. And when it doesn't work, he's going to keep trying to do it. And before you know it, it's going to be too late for him yeah. to realize, crap, my running backs have 13 carries for 27 yards. We should probably yeah. pass the ball more. Yep, and that's how it's been going. We And then not only that, but we get big leads. Um, that didn't happen Sunday, but we get big leads, and it, it takes uh, the teams to, away from their run, their idea of the run game. Um, with Tampa, we didn't come on to a big lead, and yet we still held their run game to biz abysmal. They were amazing, the front seven for the Detroit Lions defense. Um, kudos to Aiden Hutchinson, who didn't record a sack today, but played outside of his mind. Kudos to Julian Okora, like you said. Kudos to every single person, Aline McNeil and Isaiah Bugs. We're dominant in the middle, forcing Baker out, forcing bad throws, getting hands-on balls, tip balls. Um, so yeah, I will, I will, and then I will transition this, Adam. Let's continue to talk about our defense from the front seven. Let's go to our secondary. Whereas you said, Will Harris with the pick, even though he looked atrocious in this game, and God, he should not be on our team, but whatever, he got the pick, and I'll take it and run away. Uh, Jerry Jacobs looked unbelievably amazing as per usual i'm sick enough for that guy everywhere i get seatbelt gang almost had a pick shoving a shoulder into someone had it couldn't pull it in it's okay cam sutton as we here at this show were the first ones to solidify him at sutton island uh and now everyone's running away with it and that's fine please take our words but just know we came up with that shit, and that's because just like last year when our run defense was stopping everyone and i said it 
Kansun is a freaking island. Receivers don't want to visit. Kansun is on an island that receivers don't want to visit, but some are forced to go there. And Kansun shuts them down. Shuts them down. And it is great. Kansun had an amazing play on Mike Evans. Um, had had just a, one of the games of his life, in my opinion. And every single week he's having the game of his life. He is stacking it and stacking it. Kansun, best free agent signing we had this year. Over CJ DJ, over David Montgomery, over Graham Glasgow, over whoever and anyone, Jalen Reeves-Mayman. It doesn't matter who you bring up. That includes David Montgomery. Cam Sutton is our best free agent signing. And, he, and outside of, I would say, number two. Uh, uh, no, it's tough. Him and Anzalone are the number two defensive players on our team. Hands down. Him, Anzalone, and Aiden are the top three players on our defense. No doubt about it. Even And like, honestly, even, man, we had pretty much everyone just thinking Hutch was going to be, like, the guy. Well, Hutch was the guy. And then Anzalone just out of nowhere took the next leap. And then we bring in Cam Sutton, who's just been a lockdown cornerback. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you might have not heard Cam Sutton or any big plays is because exactly what you're saying, Nick, no one's throwing to him. He's getting like this, not exactly what happened with Richard Sherman, because obviously Sherman was kind of a different beast, but still Sutton is playing up there and he is causing quarterbacks to think, that guy is really good at cornerback. I'm going to maybe look him off or just go to – that'll be my second read. And we saw it. We've seen it every game, honestly. There hasn't been too many monster plays. Granted, Baker did miss a few, you know, deep bomb throws, but I'm not exactly sure if, if Sutton was on any of those guys, which – Also, people – and I've, I heard that, and people need to realize it's not Baker Mayfield missing. That is our defensive line yes, putting pressure exactly on Baker, right. forcing a bad throw. That is – and it was the same with Desmond Ritter, and it was the same with Jordan Love, and it was the same with Bryce Young. These guys aren't just bad quarterbacks that we're playing. Baker Mayfield was 3-1, and one, right, and held with Philly for a little bit. We have the best defense in the NFL and are forcing these atrocious throws. So I just want to clarify. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly right, Nick. And honestly, John Jansen, he said it perfectly on 97-1 this morning. He said it sometimes you just – with your defensive line and blitzes, you just realize you're going to give up. A dude's going to be wide open. But if you can affect that quarterback or get to him or put pressure on him, make him overthrow it, underthrow a bad pass, arm hit, whatever, then that's that's all you got to do. And it's an incomplete pass or maybe a turnover. And that's what the Lions were doing a lot. And there's no difference between a Lions defender two yards behind uh, the Bucks behind Mike Evans or Bears two yards defender behind the box behind Mike Evans. Baker Mayfield made the throw against the Bears. He didn't against the Lions, and that was because of the pass rush. He had a second more to just oh there we go, but now against the Lions it was like oh crap, you know let me get that out of there. And once you feel those hits a couple times, man, he he knew it was coming. And honestly, he only took one sack, and that does tell me that he was trying to get it out quick, and he knew we had. We had the dogs coming at him. However, he also had escapability. We saw that. He got out of the pocket quite a bit. Now, he didn't do much when he got out of the pocket, but what, what is that? Who are we about to play, Adam? Lamar Jackson. Who gets out of the pocket really fast? Lamar Jackson. So that was one thing as we closed in on him. We only got one sec because he had escapability. And we, we were there, but we weren't able to contain him. Okay. And we've kind of had a problem with this. 
Now, on quarterbacks that don't really have escapability and want to try to play the pocket game against us, we've done damn well against. And we've done damn well against the guys who I've got outside the pocket. We just haven't got the sacks. It is a little nerve-wracking for Lamar Jackson. We are going to have to scheme it differently. Dan Campbell's kind of been notorious for – or maybe not just Dan Campbell, excuse me. Aaron Glenn has been notorious for um, allowing uh, running quarterbacks to kind of get the best of us. That was while we were in a rebuild mode, so who knows now. But just that is – to go back to what we were talking about, I know we're talking about the Tampa game. I don't want to get too into Baltimore. Just something to keep your eye on when it comes to Baltimore because Baker did have that escapability. We saw it. We saw that happen. And I do think we will see some more Hutch kind of standing up, playing contained, just kind of holding this guy. I don't – actually, I'll take that back. I don't think Hutch gets a true sack. How I think he'll he'll get his sack is Lamar Jackson is going to fall right into his arms. Mm. Lamar Jackson will get ready to scramble, think he's got a hole, and boom, Hutch will just pop out right there and just grab him right at the line scrimmage. And so, people will say that's lucky, but the thing is, is that's not lucky. That's called doing your homework and knowing the best odds to put yourself at a best position. Look at the guy who's caught like 400 home runs at baseball games. He just puts, he knows where everyone hits and he puts himself, he just walks to where he's the best odds to catch a ball. He isn't just lucky 400 times, right? And Hutchinson wouldn't just be lucky to fall into that set. He would be in the right place at the right time, and that's where Lamar Jackson will just fall right into him. And that is not lucky to anyone who is thinking, oh, just a lucky sack for five and a half, blah, blah, blah. No, that is preparation, uh, NFL IQ, um, game script. So game film, I mean. <laughs> that's why we love it, Hutchinson. Um, so and then another thing I noticed about the Lions secondary, we had nine – we had nine. That was weird. Uh, we had nine pass deflections. Mm-hmm. That's huge, mm-hmm. and that means nine of those balls were all broken up. So it wasn't just Baker overthrowing guys. We were making plays too. So uh, lines. Uh, we However, what are your thoughts on Kirby? I. He didn't have his best game. He had two pass deflections. I did see he was a little like. I don't know if you saw the Jeff Darlington video, but he he was like with trainers at the end. And it seemed like, I don't know, it was just something. And he was kind of walking slow with trainers. And hopefully he's not injured. Dan Campbell didn't really say anything about it. So I think he should be fine. But we'll know when this practice report comes out tomorrow. But I'm not Kirby's best game. Perhaps this is more of Kirby not playing the full game. So he's not getting his big play moments and it's just you know because he's a boomer boss type guy and tracy walker has just been way more consistent and when kirby's been in it's just been not as consistent can we talk about that tracy walker hit that was so sick the dude best hit I've and ever thank seen. you thank you thank you refs for not calling that a flag that was clean as day shoulder in the pads mm-hmm. i get it was a hard hit i get it scares you you're like oh throw the flag but they talk together, and they're like, okay, two years ago, we, we throw this puppy. But these yeah. are different lines. So what do you say we pick it up? And they picked it up. Tracy Walker did. What a hit. What a hit. That was the best hit on defense, but not the best hit of the day. We talked a lot about defense. Let's switch this to our right. Gosh, right with offense. Oh. Switch it to the offense, Adam. Dad, What? I said, let's switch it to the offense. Let's stop talking oh, about defense. Dude, ain't nobody want to talk about defense. Okay, well, real quick. So this was kind of weird. Have you ever, like, someone says one thing and you, like, 
hear it the complete uh, like different thing but it makes sense like from the fact that you were here so i'll tell you what i say I, you were i thought you said hit or something hit you're like that wasn't the only hit by tracy walker and i was like you're right jack campbell did destroy a dude too jack campbell did destroy a dude, did, dude. Yes. that was very wow. cool. um campbell it's i mean it is what it is you know he's not contributing like insanely but part of that i do believe is just anzalone and Derek barnes like when these guys are playing so good, you're not you're not forcing your rookie out there. Right. And real quick side tangent, and I think it's the exact same thing with Jameer Gibbs. I do think the Lions had a plan to use Jameer Gibbs week one, send him out. This guy is going to be a superstar. And I do think Jack Campbell was supposed to be our day one starter. We had three guys take leaps that no one expected. And now we're at a position of where we just keep winning and winning and winning. And it's like, should we change something or should we just keep rolling this ball? And I think that's what the Lions are doing. They just aren't going to change or aren't going to fix anything or mess with anything until it goes wrong. And that's why you're probably not seeing tons of usage of Gibbs when Montgomery's in. Now, if he's Montgomery's out, it might change. But the same thing with Campbell. Campbell is playing a little bit more, but it's not like he's getting crazy with it. So, and then Cherry on top. We don't even really need them. Granted, it would be nice to have guys that are contributing to the max, but those guys are going to contribute next year when we probably will need them. So right now, I love it. We're 5-1. Cannot complain. <laughs> nope. Sorry to all the draft day viewers who wanted to see us draft immediate starters. Unfortunately, that is not how the Lions work, and we have built this team successfully, and we do not need those two first-round starters to be automatic, instant uh, impact players. We can sit Campbell and let him learn from Anzalone and see where that field goes. We can let Gibbs learn from Montgomery, and it is the running back position. And we all know what happens at running back position, injuries. So we did not need them either of them to start day one. And I'm sorry for all the people who are like, draft value. We got a fifth-year option on both of these guys for the team. This is called figuring out how to spend your money wisely and win games. Um, we knew what we had in-house. We knew what we needed to add it um, externally. We did it. And I love seeing fantasy people get extremely upset about Jameer Gibbs. It is great. 100%. Um, all right, let's spin this to the offense because obviously there was a lot of great plays. One right behind you, Nick. And let's talk with the man himself. Jamo. he is here. He's arrived. What a perfect, perfect, perfect first touchdown. Was his first catch, but... Um, it just gives you reassurance. It wasn't just a wide open walk into the end zone type touchdown. This was impressive. He was tracking this ball a little underthrown, had to turn around, completely flipped his shoulders, found the ball again, was falling down, defender on him, caught it, caught it with contact, still maintained it, and it was a touchdown. And then afterwards, Nick, I don't know if you saw the video of the video of the video of the video, no. but it was Jamo watching himself watch the to catch the pass and it was awesome because you can just he's like that's my dog he's, he said something about jared golf and he just you can tell his confidence is just through the roof right now and that's exactly what we needed we needed to just give him a little a little crumb a little taste of what this lions team is like because i guarantee you he's seen amon rock he's seen laporta he's seen montgomery all these guys just falling out scoring touchdowns having fun and he wants to be a part of it and those first four weeks killed him sitting out, and now he's back two weeks earlier and has a touchdown, which I love so much. Shouldn't even happen, but thanks to Roger Goodell, he does get to play these last two games. And 
honestly, he's starting to make us forget about these drops, which I will say you can't forget them. And, you know, there's something to keep an eye on. But if he's making plays like this, it's all right. <laughs> there's a lot to unravel with Jameson Williams. We all are, we, we see this catch and we forget about the play right before it, which was a very bad drop by Jameson Williams. It was a short throw from Goff. And it went right through the hands of James Williams. Not tipped his fingers, not barely hit one hand. It was through both hands. That was a drop. That was a bad throw, and it was a bad drop. Both Josh Reynolds, there was a bad throw to Josh Reynolds earlier in the game. He made an unbelievable catch. Yeah, unbelievable. Exactly. Beautiful. Same one I'm referring to. You're right. Josh Reynolds would have caught that. Yeah. So we have to, there's a lot of things right now. James Williams, we as fans need to understand this Jamison Williams guy. Is wide is, is target number four or five. That's just how it is. Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell do not trust him right now. He can earn trust. That's what you do in life. You earn people's trust. Right now, he, they do not trust him. Nor should we. He hasn't done much to show us that he can be trusted. He has caught a couple great deep passes. It was he's a body catcher. He does not catch with his hands. He catches with his body. Sometimes that'll be great. Sometimes that'll hurt us. He's electric, though, and he stretches the field. He needs to be on the field. And with more catches like this one that behind me, Goff will start to trust him more and maybe move up wide receiver, target number five to target number four, from target number four to target number three, being the third option for Goff, second option for Goff. He will earn that. Right now, he has not. We need to stop thinking he will be a Monroe St. Brown and get 12 receptions a game. He will be Mike Williams. For the first three years of his career, which is three to four targets a game, one to two, maybe three catches a game. That's what he is. And and that's okay because our offense is so fucking good that Jamison Williams doesn't need to be who he isn't. Right now, just be behind Emmanuel St. Brown, behind Sam Laporta, behind Josh Reynolds, behind David Montgomery, behind Jameer Gibbs. That's fine. As your wide, as your target, your option number six is James Williams. Te- other teams are looking at like the the Chiefs are looking at option number six as like I don't know Kadarius Tony probably or Clyde Edwards like what they don't know what they're doing over there right so this is fine this is fine James Williams had a hell of a catch that catch did not change my opinion at all. It did not change my opinion because of the drop that was before. James Williams needs to go through a game. He needs to he needs to have he needs to have like double the amount of catches as drops in a game. That just needs to happen, and I just don't think that's happened yet. So I I love Jamo. Well, Nick, I, two catches, I, one drop, <laughs> and he had how many two catches, right? <laughs> Oh, so that is double. Okay, so triple the amount of catches over uh, drops, I guess is what I mean to say. Regardless, you know what I'm saying. Like, just don't drop a freaking ball, and I'll be very happy. But it's nice to have him back. This is I what agree. I'm, I'm not trying to, like, oh, I'm not trying to be dogging on him. I just, I'm trying to tell fans that we need to temper these expectations now, and we need to trust him as much as Ben Johnson trusts him. So look how many times Ben Johnson dials up a play for Jameson Williams. To last week it was or yesterday it was three, and that's about how much times you, you how much we need to trust him, which is about three plays a game, which is like what Jamal Agnew used to get for us. You know what I mean? Like you, you hope he catches a big one. That that's about it right now, and he can earn our trust. He can earn our trust much like 
we earn the trust of people. You can do that. It's okay. It's okay not to be Kelvin Johnson right now. It's just, it's okay to be that. We don't, we don't need them. Just like Jack Campbell, just like Jameer Gibbs. We have a good enough team. We don't need James Williams. He is just an extremely awesome luxury to have. And we will continue to use him to stress the field to give him honor St. Brown 12 targets. Ain't nothing wrong with that. See, uh, also the interesting thing I'm kind of starting to think about is two years ago when we drafted this guy, we had Josh Reynolds, but it was like early Josh Reynolds. We didn't realize we were getting a like legit, you know, number two. Yeah, dog. And I think Campbell, it was like, you know what? Let's try to make JMO the number two. Well, then all of a sudden, Reynolds turns into, you know, takes another step. And then we get Laporta, the best freaking tight end, young tight end in the NFL, honestly. Because there's only two tight ends I'd take rest of the season. It's maybe Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. And even then, you could you could debate Kelsey, too. And if you're talking, you know, two years, I'm taking Sam Laporta 10 times out of 10 both over both of those guys. So... That was my side tangent, but yes, JMO. Um, right now he's a luxury and he just he has to earn that chemistry, which that was a perfect like chemistry earner because wasn't Goff's best ball. He knew JMO messed up the play before it went back to him. Because if that you would have dropped huge. that, that, that would have been huge. like, oh god, oh no. But he yep. caught it. So it's yep. like, all right, it's there. We yep. know it's there. We need to see it more consistently. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to see it right away. I think we are eventually by like playoffs or, you know, week 15, 16, we're going to see JMO getting six ish targets. If, if he keeps this trajectory going, you know, where a big play and gets the drops down, obviously one, a game is not good. And anytime it hits your hands, you've got to catch. It doesn't matter where the ball is, hits your hands. You're kind of wide receiver got to be catch. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then I also think JMO is just, I feel like every time he catches the ball, he's like, I got to turn and run the end zone. I'm going to break one off. Just catch the ball, find your lane and then go. That was it. Each time he just catches and he seems like he he keeps going. And the first one, the defender, he knew he felt it. But if that's Tyler Lockett, Grant, he's an awesome veteran. He catches that and falls right down. And Mm -hmm. as like you know, receiver, you got to you got to know where where you are and know what kind of catch you got to make. And if if you are wide or you know a guy's coming down your back and you need to do the catch and turn and spin cycle him out of there, then you know do it. But ultimately. I like what we've seen so far with JMO. We can too, but there was one more little nitpick. He the first catch he had, he caught at the we needed 10 yards for a first time. He caught it nine yard line um and could have easily just fell for the first down. Instead, turns back to try to get more yards and ends up getting just like a seven total of seven yards on the catch or whatever it was. And uh JMO. We don't need the biggest play every single time you catch the ball. Just catch that ball and get a first down. Be a Monroe St. Brown. Go catch 200 balls after practice. Have that motivation. Be motivated by the boys that you're in a locker room with. And catch the ball and no, no, have high NFL IQ. Like We're learning. It's, old, it's early in his career, but now we know. You catch that ball next time, you don't try to make a huge play out of it. Thank God a Monroe St. Brown tried to make a big play out of his, though, when he caught it because it turned out good. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that play because that's – 
was the play of the game. Honestly, Jamo catch was awesome, but oh my gosh, this was so sick. That did you see like someone posted a picture of it and it's like Amon Ra scored a touch on this play and he's on like the 23 yard line angling backwards to like the 24, 25 yard line probably only has like is on the right side of the hashes heading towards out of bounds and there's three defenders stared him down. And then all of a sudden he kind of gets around and who else but freaking Craig Reynolds out of nowhere. Lays the boom, clean hit to wasn't one of those, you know, crack back, stupid, weird blocks that they love to flag. It was just a beautiful textbook block that coaches in high school will be putting on for their, uh, not students, I guess kind of students, yeah, uh, players, uh, players for years to come. But Craig Reynolds, that that's what we need. That block created a touchdown because Amon-Ra goes out or he gets tackled if that block doesn't happen. And that's what we need to see. Just accept, have a plus at one of the three phases, blocking, rushing, or receiving. And if you didn't see the video of Amon-Ra St. Brown watching the video of himself in session style, uh, (laughs) he talks, he breaks it down like an analyst and it was outstanding. Calls out Craigie. Craig Reynolds, the the defenders look was like running at ASB, looked over, saw Craig Reynolds and goes, ah! Yeah, he, he, he raised his hands up because he was like, I'm about to die. This I'm <laughs> my my head might be decapitated after this hit. So I'm gonna try to embrace this. And Craig Reynolds just blows him up, comes out of nowhere. Watching the watching the film, watching um the like watching it live and seeing these replays, it is just like ASB dancing around as Adam alluded to and said running around and then out of nowhere comes it, it's like when in back in the day in like 2000 the XFL maybe they still do it now when they rebooted but um that's why you could like run yeah. 10 yards back and then run up to the line and right as you're running to the line hike you know and you're going and you already got the speed momentum that's what it was like it was like this guy came running like 40 yards from away and it wasn't but it was like he came around 40 yards away Right into your screen, boom, lays them out. ASB goes running. We all saw it. Everyone who was watching could see it. Even if you were just eyes on the ball glued, you saw it in the corner of your eye. Craig Reynolds just blown up. Best hit of the day, beating out Tracy Walker's hit. This was so fun. I don't know if Jameer Gibbs lays that hit. I don't know if David Montgomery Gibbs lays that block. Montgomery maybe because he's a bigger dude and maybe just, who knows that I was what? the awareness though if they all have the potential to be able to That's hit true. that the awareness of craig reynolds his nfl iq his iq of our team and the way asb was running all of it was perfect this is the team we built this is why we kept craig reynolds around um i loved it dude it was it was electrifying and that touchdown was our seven to three lead right yeah, that was the first touchdown of the game. Yeah, or, or ten. <laughs> and also cashed a seventeen thousand dollar first touchdown parlay for some dude, and um, Amon Ra was the last leg for him, so he got it for the guy. And then Amon Ra Bleach Report posted, it, and he's like, "Hey, let me hold some of that." <laughs> ah! Speaking of Amon St. Brown, his podcast tomorrow will have Jameson. That's Williams, right. Brother. Yes, that's right. That should be very cool. I'll definitely have to tune in on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, um, you. It's interesting because from a third string running back, you're going to see plays like that where they give it just everything they have, try to find any way possible to make an impact on that 
play, not just that drive sequence, whatever, just every single play. They're trying to do something. And honestly, when you have starters and you have guys that know they're worth millions of dollars, know they, you know, would love to go make a big hit, but it's like, man, that I could get a concussion and that, that cost me a game check. I could get, you know, break my shoulder or something. And I'm not going through that again. So I, I get it. And with Craig Reynolds, we're not going to see any type of beat around the bush. It's going to be smash mouth football. And I'm excited to see it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Amen. I can Finally, agree. we had our MVP, Jared Goff, the birthday boy, absolutely torching the Bucks on the road. This dude completely is shattering the narrative of not looking good on the road, can't play in cold weather. Granted, it was Tampa Bay, but it was, you know, a cold-ish Tampa Bay. It was, you know, nice Tampa warm, sunny like it always is. And Goff, man, 30 for 40, threw the ball 44 times, 30 for 44 phenomenal two touchdowns and 353 passer rating of 107 qbr 78.6 dude was phenomenal and this is just off the backs of a great game against the panthers a beat down in lambeau a great win in arrowhead jared goff is truly playing at an mvp level because if you put teddy bridgewater on this team that's a good question nick if we had teddy bridgewater start the season how many wins do you think we have? I would say two, maybe three. I'm trying to think. I think it our was, defense would be able lost, to help. Would have been lost to Kansas City. Would have been lost to Seattle. Would have been a win in Atlanta. Would have been a win in Green Bay. Would have been a win in Carolina. And this one's 50-50. I'll give it a win. I would say four and two. But okay. easily could be three and three. I, I think our team, that's honestly to a great point. Jared Goff is fucking awesome, and there's a reason why he were five and one. Don't get me wrong. But I think our team is good enough where if we had the seventh, the last pick in the draft, whoever the last quarterback was drafted this year, right? In regards to like a Brock Purdy, whoever the last quarterback drafted this year was, Stenson Bennett, whoever it may have been, I bet they would be like three and three with us. That's how good our team is. That's how good our team is. Interesting. Interesting. Justin Fields, three and three? Yeah, I do think so. That's that's all right. I like that. Yeah, but honestly, honestly Jared isn't the worst quarterback in the NFL. It's just he's on the worst franchise in the NFL, and he, he doesn't know how to throw a football. So I mean, that's never great. But well, actually, Justin Fields has dislocated finger now. So. But now he's just, yeah, 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 yeah. We're about to see who's the backup. Tyson Baggett or something like that. Yeah, I, Ty, yeah Tyson. Like I don't know. Baggett. I've never even heard of this guy. I it's heard some big reports Versus like Tyson Badgett or whatever his name is. <laughs> Badgett or something. I heard of a lot of reports coming into the season that there were rumors, hush, hush, in the uh, office uh, in Chicago's that they wanted this kid to start over Justin Fields. They just couldn't do it because Fields' uh, popularity. and I did like hear that, too. And real side tangent note. We're side tangent and all day Wait, on this show. If this dude wins like two games while Fields is out and they're just like, what the hell do we do? That would be fun. <laughs> or even honestly, say, like trade fields for like a first round pick. That would really suck. I don't, know, I don't think you would generate like, that. But, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but God. I don't. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus. I think we're all right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, back to Jared Goff. He has been wheeling and dealing. And then it's not just his box scores. If you were watching this game, Goff was absolutely 
firing the ball. He was putting it in between two defenders, pretty much every other pass. Every pass he was throwing was on the money, splitting defenders, perfect spots. He just looked on. And I do think this is just part of the team being so well, the chemistry, everything's flowing. He's got another phenomenal pass catcher at Sam Laporta. He doesn't have to, you know, rely on J-Mo to be his number two. Josh Reynolds is step up. Cliff Raymond's falling out. Uh, I guess Marvin Jones is kind of Marvin Jonesing. <laughs> um, but ultimately, he's just got phenomenal weapons. And it's just like his Super Bowl run with the Rams. He had Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, and there was one more decent dude on there. And then Todd Gurley. So it was like great weapons all around. I believe he had Higby too, which is, you know, nothing compared to Laporta, but a solid tight end. So um, Goff, I also do think he has moved up to, I want to say it was seventh or eighth in MVP voting, plus 1,900. Still outrageously behind Brock Purdy, who somehow is still plus 1,000, who does not deserve to be up there. But Jared Goff, man, this dude, it's still early, but like he legit could win the MVP. If the Lions just keep doing what they're doing and, you know, if we play how we have been, Jared Goff will win the MVP. And it sounds crazy to say because Lions fans hope for this. We're like, yeah, Jared Goff, you know, MVP. But now that it's like a possibility in actual reality, it's like, I want this. This can happen, baby. Bring it on home. Bring it on home to me. That's a Led Zeppelin song right there. Great reference. Uh, they were just had a Led Zeppelin tribute band at Motor City last night. I did not go to it, but I wanted to. Um, Tampa Bay defense had allowed four passing touchdowns through the first five weeks of the NFL. How many touchdowns did Jared Goff throw? Two. Damn near half of it. Or half of it. Damn near all of it. Jared Goff. Played against a defense that allowed, had allowed 972 passing yards through the first five weeks. That is the third least in the NFL. He threw for a 353, the most any quarterback has thrown against the Bucs in the last 16 games. Jared Goff played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have picked it off six times this year, tied for the fifth most in the NFL. Jared Goff was coming off of three straight games with an interception after having a damn near record-breaking 393 pass, 383 passes without a pick. He starts the streak again, no, no picks. Kennedy's defense is no joke, is what I'm trying to get towards. Their defense is what's holding them in these games. Their defense was no match for our man, Jared Goff, Jamison Williams, Amon St. Brown, Sam Laporta, and seven other people who wanted to catch the ball. That's why Jared Goff got it to 10 different pass catchers, um, including Brock Wright, including uh, Ditto Zigbo, catch the ball. I know he ran a ball. I don't think he caught a ball. But we had a ton of players catch the ball. Yeah, That's he did. Yeah, he had one he catch. Oh, I thought so. Okay, yeah. so from anywhere from Brock Wright to Divine Zigbo, I think is what his name is. I could be wrong. Ten guys caught balls. Ten balls. Ten balls. Ten, ten catches. Ten different guys. That He had nine the week before. That is 19 you know, that's different players. I guess not different, but in each game, that's nine, that's 10. We are spreading the ball around. This is glorious. This is not just feed the ball to one or two players. This is not everyone get their opportunity, and everyone who got their opportunity was successful. It was outstanding. Jared Goff is the NFL MVP as long as 
Miami decides to like forget how to play offense because right now ain't nobody going to beat Tua in my opinion. He is just going to win MVP. He's going to have the stats behind it and his team's going to have the wins behind it. But to really think about what these teams are, Dolphins were in the playoffs last year starting Skylar Thompson. We were 9 and 8 not in the playoffs. It was just a little bit more of a deficit for the Lions than the than the Dolphins in my opinion. Jared Goff is the MVP. There the only person you could argue with me Cam Sutton. He's the only other person that should be MVP. He honestly should be MVP, getting MVP votes. That's how good he is. Love it. All right, Nick. We're going to start doing a little segment called Game Balls. I'm sure all those set segments pop out on a lot of your podcasts that you guys watch. But um, we're going to get a game ball to a Lions player each week. Can be Jared Goff. It can't be Jared Goff. You never know. But ultimately, I'll kick it off first. We had a lot of kind. A lot of guys that could have got a game ball. I do. I really want to give it to Craig Reynolds for that block, but I'm going to give it to Amon Ra St. Brown for giving Craig Reynolds the opportunity to make that block because if Amon Ra just goes down that nothing happens there and we're at the, you know, 20 yard line, but Amon Ra is like, Oh no, no, no. I see a path to the end zone. I'm getting in the end zone. And that's exactly what he did. So Amon Ra, I damn near predicted this. I called two touchdowns and 100 yards, placed the bet, told all my buddies, and he got close, 124 yards and one touchdown. But um, I'll take it. Amon Ra, he's getting my game ball today. He played a phenomenal game, and coming off an injury just showed that, boom, didn't lose a step at all. It stinks because what I what I want to do is be super original, right? The, and you'll see moving forward in our game ball picks, I will try to very much, very much be as, as original and kind of be out on left field about who I really think deserves the MVP. It, and I wanted to do that this week, but then Dan Campbell made it less of uh, uh, me being unique because he also awarded this man one of his game balls. It is not Jared Goff, though. I'm going to do my best not to pick Jared Goff on any any of these because it should be Jared Goff. 350 yards, two touchdowns, no play. He's great. But I'm going to do my best not to pick Jared Goff. I'm just never, ever, ever, unless he, like, blows up. Like uh, So I'm picking the best punter in the NFL, and I'm taking Jack Fox. With his punts, the way we held field position in a game where we needed to hold field position, in a game where we realized that Riley Patterson can't hit 50-yarders, which we knew, but we now are really realizing it, we needed to be able to punt the ball, and Jack Fox made some of the most amazing punts, one of them specifically right at the one-yard line. It was glorious, but the, the best punt I have seen Jack Fox do. Dan Campbell even acknowledged it, giving him one of two game balls, and I will do the same, and I will try not to pick one that Dan Campbell picks moving forward, but I just couldn't pick anyone else this time. Dan Campbell had it right. Jack Fox gets my game ball this week. I agree as well. Right when I was watching that video and he called, it was weird how he was talking. I was like, this is, he's going to give it to Jack Fox because granted, you know, he wasn't on the field every single play. He's probably only on the field for 10, not even like eight, five plays, you know, but every single time he was out there, he made it count. Mm -hmm. And the Lions did something I haven't seen the Lions do yet. And this is, it seemed like a new Dan Campbell cooking type element where we took a four minute drive 
from R20 or whatever, slowly worked up, got to, you know, the 40, 45, could have kicked, you know, the 55 yard or whatever. But instead, we put the Bucks in checkmate, punted the ball. Uh, Campbell trusted Jack Fox to put it down inside the five. He did that. And we milked the clock, and then the Bucks were down two scores with like six minutes left. So it was pretty much good luck, have fun. Your your offense hasn't done shit. Have fun at the two yard line. Jack Fox, um, he's been balling though. Also, um, another guy that I do want to just shout out who is coming down to Anzalone. We were talking about him mm-hmm. a lot as well. Yeah. I think on the defensive side. Game ball would go to him, but obviously you can only do one game ball, so it's got to go to Amon Ra. But on the defensive side, Anzalone has been flying around, and he's just been doing exactly what he needs to do and more. Maybe, maybe that's what we should do is an offense and a defensive game ball, and I'll keep track of them right here. So you're going out Anzalone for defensive uh, game ball? I think so, yeah. All right. I am – I have been talking about him a lot. Cam Sutton, I'm going to avoid him right now just because he didn't do exactly. Um, I'm going to go I'm, just because he's too much of a name, I guess is what I meant to say. I was kind of thinking of what I was about to say and then just rambled off. Um, Cam Sutton has been too good. I'm not going to pick him right now. I'm picking the guy that you shouted out earlier in the show, Julian Okora, with a huge, big paw deflection. The only sack for the Lions team um, really has been on the chopping block with this team. Um we had a lot of excitement after Romeo Okora's big year, and then we went and drafted Julian in the third round, and we were really excited um, to see him flourish with the Lions, and we've yet to see it. Number 99, big 99, 99, coming through. I'm going with Julian Okora as my defensive game ball. I love it. All right. Uh, so we go Okora, Anzalone, Fox, and Amon Ra. And mm-hmm. also, we'll, we'll get Julius's game ball. We'll, we'll tweet out a little um, type game ball tweet or something in case you guys were curious to see if we keep track of those. But all in all, if you guys want to check us out individually, check Nick out at Nick Faber NFL. Then check out myself at Everyday FFB. Check out the show, Honolulu Blues underscore on Twitter. Got all sorts of good stuff going on. Uh, we will likely do some sort of giveaway. We just gave away a Honolulu Blues t-shirt, too. Yes, so, did. Or winner, I think Lexi was her name or something. But um, <laughs> well, anyways, we will be giving away stuff and doing some other little you know contests as well. So keep an eye out for our pinned tweets. Check us out on YouTube or Spotify. We love all that good stuff. And as always, go, go.